One thing that's really helpful about awareness is that the more you know about any one of these conditions, the less there's a need for stigma to kind of fill in that gap in what you don't seem to be knowing or understanding. Um, so I think it's really useful if your goal is to make life more wonderful for people who have any type of neurodivergence to just understand any one of them better. Um, I think, you know, just learning more and more about uh, my own neurotypes and treating more and more people who have those neurotypes who want to make changes um, in some part of their life just um, has been really eye-opening. I think it's, um, I think even as somebody who has it, you know, I can, who has one of these neurotypes, like I can, I can self-stigmatize. I think anyone can. And so I think learning more about it as someone who has it is really lovely. I think learning more about somebody else's neurotype is also really lovely. It just reduces any, just any need for stigma to be there. It doesn't really seem to be that useful once you have understanding. everyone, welcome to Open Mind Night, a show that talks about everything mental health and mental illness related. I am your host, Robin Tamanaha, licensed marriage and family therapist. Join, joining me on this episode is my guest, Annie Albers. Annie is a psychologist in San Francisco, specializing in OCD and anxiety. She not only treats obsessive compulsive disorders like OCD, body dysmorphic disorder, and body focused repetitive behaviors, but has them herself. Similarly, she has she both has and treats misophonia, which is a common additional diagnosis for people with OCD. She is passionate about disseminating accurate information about these conditions and about neurodiversity in general to fellow professionals who have these conditions, their family and friends, and interested members of the general public. Hi, Annie. Hi, Robin. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Thanks for doing this. Thank um, you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm super excited. So I have a lot of questions and specifically about um, neurodiversity. I know at least like when I think within our field and kind of more and more, I think now within the general public, like neurodiversity has been talked about um, a lot. Although I don't think it's always framed as neurodiversity. It's usually framed mm -hmm. as like specific challenges or diagnoses mm -hmm. and all that. So um, for the listeners, could you give like just kind of a general definition of what neurodiversity means? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And for this one, I, I feel really passionate about some definitions that other people have come up with. So I am going to read a couple things off. So I apologize in advance. <laughs> that sounds robotic. No. Uh, there's, there's one definition that I really like from psychology today. Um, so it's neurodiversity refers to the idea that neurological differences such as those seen in autism or ADHD reflect normal variations in brain development. And then there's a second part that I'll add. Um, so this one's from Nick Walker who wrote a really foundational article on the neurodiversity paradigm, um, which is on your blog at neuroclear.com. Um, and I won't read the whole thing, but just the, the two um, first points to start out is that neurodiversity is a natural and valuable form of human diversity. And the idea that there is one normal or healthy type of brain or mind or one right style of neurocognitive functioning is a culturally constructed fiction, no more valid and no more conducive to a healthy society or to the overall well-being of humanity than the idea that there's one normal or right ethnicity, gender, or culture. 
That's amazing. Tell me, um, I have so many, I have questions about that, but, and also I love how it's normalized, yeah. right? So for those definitions, what is it about those that kind of like stood out to you or like, how come that's like, to me, that's very powerful. I'm also a clinician, but like yeah. for you, what about that is, um, is powerful? Yeah. Wow. That's such a good question. I think, I think it really, I think it covers a lot of types of stigma that have come up, um, in, in the past and continue to come up, um, about how these conditions are worse or deficits or diseases. Um, and I think that they are a reminder that there isn't one such thing as normal. I mm-hmm. think that's, that's partly what's really affirming. Yeah, definitely. And out of curiosity, you know, and, and maybe we can go through this for the listeners as well. Cause like when I think of, um, I think it was like a while ago, it was like a few months ago. Um, and I saw this, I don't know if it was on social media or like a website, but it was this image of neuro that explained neurodiversity. And it, if I jog my memory, it was kind of in the form of like an umbrella. And there were all these things under it, which were a lot of different challenges, a lot of different diagnoses and like everything. So for the listeners, who's included in the category of neurodiverse? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is um, one of the parts that I'm going to say, I am not a gatekeeper and just one person. So this is my opinion of what neurodiversity, yeah, what neurodivergence refers to. Um, so um, in, in general, neurotypicality or neurotypical um, response or uh, describes people who have uh, just brain functions and behaviors that are considered to be normal. Neurodivergence just refers to having a, a neurotype that isn't considered to be normal, and it can include a lot of conditions. In my opinion, it includes conditions like, this is going to be a long list, <laughs> Tourette syndrome, bipolar, schizophrenia, dyslexia, synesthesia, dyspraxia, dyscalculia, autism, ADHD, obsessive compulsive disorder, body dysmorphic disorder, body focused repetitive behaviors, misophonia, personality disorders, learning differences, and a lot of neurological conditions like what you'd read about in Oliver Sacks' books. Yeah, I know, um, you know, maybe as I hear this a lot, you know, maybe because like just being a clinician, you know, but um, when I work with people, there's sometimes this feeling of aloneness. I'm different, you know, than others. Um, but it sounds like when it comes to neurodiversity, they're in good company. There's actually mm-hmm. a lot of different um, different conditions, you know, included, yeah. right? And I wonder if it's also maybe some of like the stigma too that kind of leads to maybe that aloneness or just feeling different yeah. or faulty, you know, in some ways when really, no, it's actually normal. Yeah, yeah. And I think, I mean, just like regular diversity, neurodiversity includes everybody. Everybody who has a brain is included in neurodiversity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So could you um, speak a little bit about kind of, I guess, stigma, but like, or maybe um, awareness, like mm-hmm. kind of awareness, like when it comes to neurodiversity and like maybe um, how that factors into treatment? Wow. Yes. Yeah, so um, I think 
many books could be written about the history of stigma against um, any one of these um, particular neurotypes that are included in, in kind of like neurodivergence. Um, I think one thing that's really helpful about awareness is that the more you know about any one of these conditions, the less there's a need for stigma to kind of fill in that gap in what you don't seem to be knowing or understanding. Um, so I think it's really useful if your goal is to make life more wonderful for people who have any type of neurodivergence to just understand any one of them better. Um, I think, you know, just learning more and more about uh, my own neurotypes and treating more and more people who have those neurotypes who want to make changes um, in some part of their life just um, has been really eye-opening. I think it's, um, I think even as somebody who has it, you know, I can, who has one of these neurotypes, like I can, I can self-stigmatize. I think anyone can. And so I think learning more about it as someone who has it is really lovely. I think learning more about somebody else's neurotype is also really lovely. It just reduces any, just any need for stigma to be there. It doesn't really seem to be that useful once you have understanding. Mm -hmm. um, and then I think high quality treatment is treatment that is um, really affirming that is really, that provides a lot of information about the condition so that the person can make their own choices about what they wanna do. Um, if there's any behaviors or thoughts that they wanna change, and I think working with a specialist, you can you can decide which ones of those you wanna change, how you wanna go about it. You know, specializing in OCD, I do help people reduce their obsessions and compulsions a lot of the time if that's what they choose. Um, and that does tend to be a common choice with OCD because those things do tend to be difficult for people, that's fine. But that might not be true for somebody else with another condition and it might not be true for somebody else with it's somebody else who has OCD who wants to keep things the way they are. Yeah. Let's say somebody because sometimes this happens where before somebody goes to therapy or goes and gets treatment, they're kind of in this exploratory phase. Mm -hmm. Right. So let's say somebody they're not there yet with um, maybe starting, you know, therapy or treatment, but they're kind of wanting to explore and maybe they're curious about like neurodiversity in general, right? Mm -hmm. Where would, you know, and, and given we're still in a pandemic, you know, everyone has different levels when it comes to this and virtual things or in-person things, but <laughs> what, where would somebody go or what would oh. they do if they were before, like they're kind of the contemplating, you know, mm. therapy, but they're kind of more like, well, is this me? Or mm. how do I know? Like, is there certain places they could go or things mm. they could do to kind of maybe seek some of those like general facts or answers? Mm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people have, um, a lot of people have hypotheses when they're starting to get, decide to get more information. Um, about a, that they might have a specific neurotype. And so the information that's available might be, you know, specific to that neurotype. So if someone is starting to think like, I think I'm autistic, then there's places to go to learn more about autism. Um, same with personality disorders. I think Reddit is an awesome place for learning more about personality disorders. It's the best place I've found for it. I think you can find communities there, people who have no interest in stigmatizing you, who just want to share their experiences and hear about yours and trade information. I think that's amazing. That's all you need. Um, and for, for OCD, the International OCD Foundation is a lovely place with tons of information, tons of community, tons of networking. Um, 
So it can be pretty specific to neurotype. Yeah, good to know. Yeah. And let's say, I'm doing all these hypothetical questions. Let's say, <laughs> um, because the neurodiversity and like all the different, um, you know, all the different ones, they are in a way each specialties, right? Yes. So is there, what, what would you say to somebody who was like, what do I look for in like a therapist when I, if I, you know, now that I know I'm, mm. I'm neurodiverse, right? Mm -hmm because there are so many therapists out there and there's some more general, some more specific, but I think for the lay person, they're kind of like, I don't know, somebody who, who can help, you know? <laughs> so like, so are there certain like things that maybe like for sure they mm. should look for when it comes to, um, you know, quality treatment mm. for like neurodiversity? Oof. Oof. <laughs> um, Again, I, I, I completely agree. I think it's, it would be really hard to specialize in all types of neurodiversity. I'm just, or all, all types of neurodivergence. Like, I just don't know. I, I yeah, I, I think I've, I've, um, I've really benefited from getting to dig into obsessive compulsive, um, disorders. I, I, I just, I don't think I could have developed, could have developed the same competence as if I was working with 10 other things and 10 things doesn't even touch the number of types of neurodivergence that there are so yeah so I think again if people have a guess to start with of like you know I've been thinking that I have ADHD or I've been thinking that I have autism if they can orient towards somebody who specializes in those things and and show up with that question like I have these reasons for thinking this would you be able to help me with the experience you've had working with people with this neurotype and figuring out what it seems like is going on for me and at least what you can do at that stage is, you know, if you don't have the thing that they're specializing in, at least you can rule it out and they can help you get to the next person. So it might be a series of people. If like, if it's a really open question for you, what you have, but a lot of times it's not, I've had a lot of people come in saying that they think they have OCD and they are super right. <laughs> and that's, um, and that's enough. Yeah. So what I hear you saying is, um, I, and I think a lot of those of us, especially in private practice, do this, where we do that free phone consultation, yes. ask the question, you yes. know, really, really um, ask the specific questions and see if maybe if anything, they could rule it out or maybe yeah. what their experience is with what you think you, you know, you might have. Right. Right. I totally yeah. agree. Yeah. yeah. I've done that several times where people say, here are my reasons for thinking I have OCD. And I'm saying back, okay, here are my reasons for thinking that you don't have OCD. <laughs> and here's something that I think you might want to rule out. Um, yeah. And then I can send them to specialists for that. Because I think a lot of people who um, are interested in neurodiversity and who specialize in working with people of a certain neurotype know people who specialize with working with other neurotypes. So I have people that I can send people to if they're interested, who I really trust and who I think are really good to work with for those neurotypes. The benefit of networking. Us, oh, us therapists in, in private practice, we we do know each other. We have like kind of a general list of people. So yeah, yeah. if anything, it may be a nice just starting ground where if anything, um, we could provide some, some referral to somebody who may, may, that may be their jam. Right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, when it comes to like, you know, family and friends of the person, I think, um, like it's one thing for the individual, right. Mm -hmm. To kind of be sitting with all this. Um, and then there's the, the family or friends and mm -hmm. them, maybe wondering how to be supportive, how to yeah. be there or what, 
what they can do or not do, you know, when they find out that their friend or loved one happens to be experiencing this, you yes. know? So like, what are maybe some ways that like the, the loved ones could be like supportive? Ooh. Yeah. I think the way, like the, the first thing is don't freak out. Um, and, um, and I think your, your goal becomes learning more about it, um, before you start developing opinions on what to do. Um, so if people can, um, take the time to learn from good sources, um, just like sort of general things about the condition and also learn from the person they know what the condition's been like for them, what the neurotype's been like for them. Um, cause there's a lot of things that are true of other people with OCD that are, you know, true for me or something. So it's kind of nice to have both of those sets of knowledge. Um, and then, um, yeah. And then I often, when I'm, when I'm working with people individually, part of what we're doing is helping them train the people around them um, to, um, to be really helpful to them. And if they're using any, um, any phrasing that's either like stigmatizing or minimizing of the condition, like helping, like decide how do I want to, um, like, how do I want to respond to that and ask for what would be more useful to me? So yeah, it's, it is a, a it's a change in knowledge. It's a change in behavior. It doesn't have to be a negative process. It can actually be really lovely. You, you end up feeling like you understand the person better and you're in a much better position to be helpful to them. Um, and I think that that's just really appreciated a lot of the time. Yeah. Going off what you said too, about, um, you know, knowing the information about it and, you know, working through maybe the stigmatization or minimizing, I think one thing I would add, this just came to mind too, is, um, you know, we see for, for individuals there that there's that acceptance piece of what is occurring, right? Not that things are right or wrong or should be or shouldn't be a certain way, but this right. is what, you know, I have, you know, and I'm struggling yes. with or I'm living with. And then I feel like too, it's the same thing for like the family or like friends, yeah. that acceptance of like, this is a part of your loved one. It's not all of them, but it's yeah. a part of them. And I wonder if like kind of even sitting with that and them also working with the acceptance may help them maybe absorb the information yeah. and then also be like, okay, got it. This is what I'm seeing. This is what they're experiencing. And then now I know how I can best respond or even just yes. responding how they would like me to respond as opposed to like this other thing that they're thinking that the person is not. Yeah. Made any sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's great. It actually, it reminds me when you were saying that of the um, gosh, I, I want to say this was a column from like Dear Abby from forever ago. It just got like repeated a bunch of times about, I think it was written by somebody who had a child with Down syndrome and they wrote about the experience as like, I thought I was going to Italy and I was really excited to go to Italy and I bought a ticket to Italy and I learned Italian and I like, you know, I was so prepared for Italy and then the plane landed in Holland and initially they were disappointed. That's not what they wanted. They wanted to go to Italy and then they got to know Holland and they were like, Holland's great. Like, there's nothing wrong with Holland. <laughs> Holland and Italy are just different from each other. They're like differently wonderful. I love that. I miss Dear Abby. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that example. Yeah. yeah. It's just a different journey, but that doesn't mean it's going to be any less fulfilling or adventuresome or yeah. you know, joyous, you know, in, in a way. Yeah. yeah. Can also be a good experience. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> Um, is there anything I didn't ask that you want to mention? Uh, uh, best question. <laughs> um, I think, 
Mm-hmm. I guess one other thing that I kind of like to say, because a lot of us are, are really interested in, in moving away from language that implies that this is like disorder, deficit, disease, that sort of thing. Um, and at the same time, <laughs> the names of a lot of these conditions have that in them, obsessive compulsive disorder, attention um, dis- deficit disorder, like autism spectrum disorder. And so um, I, I think there's a lot of a lot of therapists and a lot of people who have these neurotypes who would really like a, a name change and who would really appreciate that. Um, Cause I think it's just sort of, it's, it's really hard to move against that idea when it's baked into the name. And so I guess if there's anyone, you know, listening who like, who doesn't, who has one of these neurotypes and is picking up some of the stigma from the name itself, I guess I'd like to say like, you're not alone in thinking that a name change would be appropriate. Um, and a lot of people would like it. And that is a, a quite a process to change the names of these things. They're kind of on the books in various ways. Um, and so uh, I think there's a lot of people working on it and I do hope we get there. Um, and I think just, yeah, more energy around that would be, you know, really helpful from anybody else who'd like a, a name change to happen. That is such a good point. Sometimes mm-hmm. the stigma is in the name. And yeah. I- and I do agree, I hope it starts to evolve and lead to change. Cause I think um, there has been some over time for certain things, but there's still like so much more to go. And I feel like sometimes it's contradictory too. Like when it's like yeah. in the name and then, and, and then too, like labels and like mm. even just sitting with the diagnosis is like this very, it gets real moment, you mm. know? And then you're sitting with this name that has some stigma within it. That's very difficult. Yeah. So unnecessary. We could just take that whole step out. And then I think that would be helpful for reorganizing in all of our minds that these are just, you know, this is just diversity. It's not like anything that you're getting is like a, is is worse than Mm. yeah. What you thought you had. I agree. Well, thanks for doing this. It was fun having you on. This is a fun conversation. I really appreciate getting to talk about stuff like this. I just, yeah, I really appreciate you having me on. Yeah. So if the listeners um, wanted to find out more about you or connect with you, where could mm-hmm. they go? Um, my website. Um, so alperspsychotherapy.com. Um, people can send me messages through the website. So I think that's the best way. Okay. And you're in the state of California, just for the I'm listeners sure. too. So, um, <laughs> well, I will put your website in the show notes. Too. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, that way the listeners can easily um, click on it and check out your website and, and reach out to you if they'd like. Okay. Yay. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, Robin. Thanks for listening. Hopefully this was informative or helpful. If you think this episode may be helpful to others that you know, be sure to share this episode with them. The resources mentioned and the contact information for today's guest are listed in the show notes. If you like what you heard, please leave us a rating. If you would like to stay up to date, please subscribe to this podcast and follow the podcast Instagram at OpenMindNightPod. Also, this podcast is not psychotherapy or counseling. If you need to speak with a professional, you should find one local to you and contact them directly. If this is an emergency, please call your local emergency number or go to your nearest emergency department.